Occasionally, myself and our coaching staff at DadStartingOver.com, we run into a client who has issues that go beyond the scope of coaching. They may have really severe anxiety, depression, suicidal ideation, and this is the point where our coaches stop and say, have you spoken to a therapist? What a lot of these men say is, I've looked into it, not a lot of options in my area, it can't work with my schedule, or I have an appointment schedule, but I can't get in for another four months. In other words, the need is there. They recognize the need. They see the value in the therapy, but the options for getting the therapy are extremely limited in their area. Well, thanks to our friends at BetterHelp.com, there is an option for you. BetterHelp is a unique service that allows you to talk to a licensed therapist from your area via your telephone or your computer. You can do voice chat with them if you wish. You can email back and forth. You can text with them all on your time schedule, all from the convenience of your phone or your computer. So check it out at betterhelp.com DSO. That's betterhelp.com DSO and get 10% off your first month of service with BetterHelp. episode of the Dad Starting Over podcast. This is DSO here with my partner in crime, the lovely and talented Mrs. DSO. This is where I would normally play a funny sound effect or some type of intro music, but we are not in my normal home studio with my fancy equipment, so I don't have that. We are doing this through one cheesy USB microphone for techie guys. They're just shaking their head right now saying, oh, DSO, what are you doing? Plugged in, we're sharing one microphone plugged into a laptop here in Texas. This, I need to get this all set up properly like we do in the Kentucky studio. But anyway, Mrs. DSO, howdy. Hey. <laughs> howdy. <laughs> Is that what you say in Texas? That's what we say. When in Rome, right? Mm. If only we were in Rome. <clears throat> yeah. Well, we will be. Well, hopefully. Yeah, maybe. We're, we're supposed to go on a cruise in July. Yeah, maybe. Cruises, it sounds like a joke to go on a cruise in the middle of a pandemic, It doesn't it? Pandemic, schmandemic. Let's <laughs> be honest. It's all horseshit. <laughs> Is it though? <clears throat> anyway. Let's just move on. Yeah. Don't get <laughs> it's not a good topic. Political there. So um, <clears throat> the, when we talk, when we try to decide on um, topics that you and I could talk about, really it boils down to things that you and I talk about, like when we're sitting in the car or going on walks. We have periods of silence and we're like, what can we talk about? Usually it's when we just start going on and on about something and then we stop and say, that'd be a good podcast conversation. And um, recently we got into, well, I would share stories of, I'll listen to some of the things some guys are saying in the group about their situations and then you'll follow up with, yeah, and listen to what this gal at work said or this friend of mine from, you know, back when, et cetera. And the, the grand theme of all, excuse me, I have a frog in my throat. The grand theme of all of these stories seems to be kind of this, for lack of a better term, kind of a female entitlement, if you want to call it that, which is, um, I guess you could summarize it as, what in the hell are these women thinking? Um, What makes her think she can act that way, say that thing, not do that thing, whatever it may be? Um, Why are they acting in such an unhealthy, by you and me, by our estimation? We Mm -hmm. just look at this as outside observers going, what are they thinking? And we've kind of boiled down to there's this overwhelming theme of entitlement. And I see this trend a whole hell of a lot when I talk to guys. Because for those that are new to this podcast and listening, um, please go to dadstartingover.com. Uh, part of what I do and six other guys that work for me on the team is that uh, we provide what we call coaching services to men. So if you're in a marriage and you're like, my marriage sucks, I'd like to improve it, I'd like to improve my sex life, or I'm divorced and I'm starting over in life, I just need someone to talk to, some pointers from somebody who's been there, done that, whatever it may be, we have guys on staff to help out with that. Well, sure enough, you start noticing patterns and stories, and one of the patterns is men saying something to the effect of, um, man, I'm putting a lot of work into this marriage. I've recognized that X number of years of not-so-good husband duties and now I'm really ramping it up for the past year, two years, three years, and the wife's reaction is basically a big yawn. 
And um, maybe it's too little, too late. Too, yeah, exactly. Get into that. Are we talking that's too little, too late? Or is there just an overwhelming sentiment by the estimation of a lot of men <clears throat> for um, quote unquote Western women that they're just kind of uh, like, why bother? Why put in work? What's in it for me? But we're kind of putting, kind of getting ahead of ourselves here. Um, where to begin with this? What do you think when I just say to you, Mrs. DSO, Wow, women in general, let's say, let's make it simpler. American women, we live in America. American women in general, boy, they sure are an entitled bunch. To that, you would say? That is true. So <clears throat> I've lived in this country for now nine years, guys. Nine years and five days. Not that anybody's counting. <laughs> <laughs> oh, because you just had your anniversary. Yeah, yeah, okay. I was going to say, how the hell do you know off the top of your um, head? And uh, one of the things I noticed first was that it was really hard to make friends here with other females. And um, a lot of it was that I was intimidated by them, which is like, if you if you really think about it, it's kind of stupid. Why would an adult female be intimidated by other adult females? But there was just something innately, I don't know if you can call it bitchy or just aggressive about a lot of the women and i just tried to wrap my head around it for years what what where does that come from what is that what how, how do i define that bitchiness that aggressiveness and it can be summarized as entitlement it's a lot of women are pretty much raised to um to not put up with stuff to put their foot down to speak up and complain. Like you see that a lot in the service sector, you know, the women that aren't putting up with the wrong dressing on their salad and their demand to speak to the manager. <laughs> you see that in the newer version of the Karens on Facebook. It's kind of all the same theme. It's, it's women that speak up a lot, which is great for themselves, but also maybe sometimes take it a little bit too far all the way down to, well, I shouldn't have to put up with this. I shouldn't have to go all the way to the store to replace this product, uh, you know, like really nonsensical stuff where you would go, well, I mean, this is just how life is sometimes deal with it, Sally. <clears throat> and um, so I'm thinking that, uh, that, that that's a very American phenomenon. And I don't really know where that comes from. But the longer I live here, the more of an idea am I getting? You know, you, um, <clears throat> you, you touched on something with the, uh, a uh, woman bitching about the salad and everything. That is a such a stereotypical female thing where men will, a, a more extreme scenario of that will be, let's say you're in a bar and uh, somebody bumps you from behind and you turn around like, hey, what the hell? And you spilled your drink or whatever. And you turn and a man looks and sees, oh, holy shit. It's a guy who's six foot five, 400 pounds of rock solid muscle. And you look him in the eye and you just give him the head nod like, hey, what's up? <laughs> and you go back to drinking your drink, right? Like, <clears throat> I know better than to mess with that. It's not a big deal. It's just a drink. And I'm looking at the guy and I can size him up and down and say, he's bad news. Let's just uh, let's let that go. While your woman sitting next to you says, hey, asshole. <laughs> and you're like, ixnay on the asshole. And then it takes it further and demands to speak to the bar owner to have the guy kicked out. <laughs> or uh, you better watch it or my man's going to kick your ass or something. You're like, okay, can you not, please? Uh, and, you know, every man has seen some version of that, whether it's firsthand or secondhand. But it's I, I think what that is, is that woman through the course of her lifetime has never been punched in the nose. Well, I, I think that's a good thing, though. But. As a man, but, we, we recognize <clears throat> the inherent danger of a lot of scenarios in life, such as the guy who's six foot five, rock solid muscle, and has got tattoos all over his face, whatever, you know, prison tats. And you Sorry, instantly recognize there's an innate danger here. While well, woman there says, I don't recognize the innate danger. In fact, I feel um, I, I've, I've never had to back down anybody in my life. Everyone's kind of catered to me i don't know if I, yes. I don't, i'm not saying this properly but they don't no, recognize no, no. the danger and the, they don't recognize the danger in the situation they don't recognize the reality of the situation because uh there is no danger to them ex there you go they've never yes. they've ever been punched in the nose well but i think you brush on a big topic that is very gender specific in the on the playground where you know we learn how to behave in society later on women do not punch each other women mm -hmm bitch and brag and insult and maybe they'll pull some hairs and bite a little bit and scratch but a lot of the fights that i fought as a kid were all about intrigue and 
getting people on your side and just calling each other names. So it's the bitchier you are, the more likely you're going to turn out alpha. Whereas you guys, you are, as you said, you get punched in the nose and then you know who is alpha. So I think that's that's a big an important topic that I think it's it's normal that we fight on a different level. Yeah. But what is not normal is the level that it has reached in the US, where, as I said, you know, the, the woman will ask the bar owner to kick this guy out just because he pushed her a little bit and she spilled a drink. Like, we just take it a little bit too far here. And I'm, I think it, and that's to support your assessment. Um, that is because women have been raised for the last 20 or so years in an environment of, oh, we need to protect these females, these poor, weak women. We need to, you know, teach the girls to go into STEM fields. We we basically are not saying no to girls anymore. No, Nobody in kindergarten will ever say to a girl, hey, Sally, shut your mouth. They <laughs> will say that to every boy when they just say a peep. But if a girl says something, it'll be like, yeah, good job, Sally, speak up. But you have to share with the class. Well, but that's, that's uh, let's be honest here, and I agree with that 100%. Every guy right now is pumping their fist going, yeah, tell them, sister. But where does that come from? Um, women typically have, as a personality trait, a high degree of what we call agreeableness. Go with the flow, whatever. Which, be nice. Be polite. nice at all times, which leaves you prone to some abuse from some less agreeable people. I mean, how many women have, you know, let's take the example of being in a, a romantic relationship. Um, I was with this boy and I really liked him and I didn't want to lose him as a boyfriend or potential boyfriend. And he wanted me to do something sexual that I was not really comfortable with. Maybe it's something extreme or I just didn't want to do anything sexual. I wasn't ready for that yet. I was going to wait until marriage, whatever it may be, but I don't want to lose him. So, okay, whatever. Um, men tend to, not always, but we tend to not have as much of that as a personality trait. So I can see what you're saying is society as a whole has said, hey, women, you need to be a little bitchier. You need to stick up stick up for yourself a little bit more, especially if you want to get into the role of, you just briefly mentioned STEM fields. which or tends become the CEO of Pepsi. Yeah. Which are all traditionally male-oriented uh, uh, structures there. So if you want to be in that structure, you got to play by some rules here if you want to get ahead. If you just want to, if you want to play by the game, period, and that involves you have to stick up for yourself a little bit. So I can see where that is. So, but in turn, that combined with, and by the way, there's no repercussion if you take it a little bit too far. So enjoy, knock yourself out, sister. I think we're seeing an end result of that. Well, and I think maybe one of that is um, that people don't really know what is the repercussion for a female that's too bitchy. Because you're that, gonna, that's a major you're gonna thing. punch her in the nose. Yeah, what's the end game here of yeah. going too far? And if you don't define that, then, well, you know, it's the old give them an inch, they'll take a mile thing. You know, yeah. it's two boys in the playground go at it. Um, somebody says something wrong about the other one's mother. Well, here we go. It's bloody nose time. Um, that's the end result of that. But with women, it's what I'm going to... You women, There was a um, comedian, I think it was Louis C.K., had a funny thing, and I've mentioned this to several guys. Um, he talked about the difference between having boys and girls as, as kids. He said the, the boys destroy things in the house. They just destroy everything. And girls, on the other hand, destroy your soul. <laughs> so boys use their hands and fists. That's what they've learned, the real basic caveman stuff of destroy, injure. While girls are, I don't necessarily have the fists. So I can't compete with this guy at this level. What else can I do? And they realize those other little ways of getting under your skin and, and kicking you between the legs figuratively. Um, and so there, that's, that's a major difference there. So I think that is a contributing factor to the entitlement as we see it amongst yeah. women. And I mean, in theory, that's a good thing, right? We want, I mean, we have a girl. We had, you have two girls now. You want your girl to not be intimidated and speak up for herself and say no when she means no and all those things. And uh, society has done... I guess the right thing by empowering girls, but it, it has just not found the balance yet. It's just kind of overshooting a little bit. And as you said, nobody has really defined, how do we say no to the ones that take it a bit too far? Like how yeah. do we just tell Sally, hey, now you really do need to be actually quiet. Um, but then there's another aspect of, of being a female that I think can lead to entitlement because I myself have found myself to be a Karen <laughs> at times. And um, I think a big part of that is that being an adult female who is working, has kids and a husband in the U.S. is really, really hard. And you can say that's BS and I'm going to tell you why. I haven't said anything. 
No, but go ahead. It in your face. No, I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> so, go on. I mean, I have lived in both countries. Um, th- there are huge differences. You wouldn't believe how big some of these differences are between European women, European gender roles, European women at work, European women having babies at work. Like all that stuff is so different. Um, and a lot of it is about like in Europe, you're very protected as a female, meaning if you get pregnant and you test negative for a certain virus, you are written off for nine months You're and you get full pay and it is paid by the government. So a lot of people, unfortunately, I'm one of them actually, test negative for that virus and then they're no longer allowed to work in a healthcare setting. And then guess what? Who really hates those women that get pregnant and uh, don't, just don't show up for work nine months? And then, oh, guess what? They take six months of maternity leave, also paid. Um, so we feel very safe and protected in our jobs. We can't be fired in those nine months plus six months of maternity leave. We don't get a lot of money, but we still get money to pay the bills and pay our rent and stuff. So we feel safe. We feel protected. We feel appreciated. We feel like, okay, you know, we're making a taxpayer here. We're feeding <laughs> a taxpayer we're contributing to society. So we kind of feel like, you know what, I think this is a fair deal. We get a, a couple thousand dollars a month. Um, you know, we, we pay the bills, we feed this little baby and, and then we come back to work. Um, and we get supported and we can't be fired. And when we come back, there's a guaranteed job. I think that's not bad. And I don't feel like people are abusing it in any way at all. Um, and I think a reason why we have that um, in Germany is because we had one of the lowest birth rates for a long, long time. And I think they were just trying mm. to get women to have more babies. Clearly not a problem in the U.S. currently. Yeah, we're, we're seeing a return of there's more incentives coming. I just saw on the news yeah. here today, uh, I don't know where it was, Norway or somebody's paying everyone a ridiculous amount of money. To have babies. Yeah. Yeah, but I mean, the, so I'm, I'm here now. I have had a kid here. And there is some protection, but dang, you get unpaid leave. You don't even, you know, the, the, the pumping room I go to at work, you're like legally entitled, entitled to have a place to safely pump for your baby. It is a, an old patient room with all kinds of clutter in there. There's not even a sink and you just kind of sit on a really uncomfortable chair between all these instruments trying to breastfeed and you're usually really rushed because there's like a thousand people running outside knocking on the door and you're also sharing the room with like five other breastfeeding nurses so it is not a healthy or safe or comfortable feeling place in any way and it is hard to have babies and you guys do not know how hard it is because you can't have babies and i know you're saying well if i could have babies i would have them or maybe you're smarter and you're saying no i would never have babies because that's really Mm -hmm. nuts but I'm saying it is hard to work full-time, raise kids on the side, pay a lot for daycare, pay a lot for nannies, pay for your own health care, pay for your kids' health care. It's really hard, and you get very little support. So the response to that is, well, damn, I shouldn't have to work this hard to just make my family survive. Damn, I shouldn't be sitting in this really cl- small closet between all these old beds and chairs mm-hmm. while breastfeeding or pumping. And I think that's a resp- the, the entitlement in America is partially a response to how tough it is to be a woman here. So that was t- a long, long monologue. So the toughness that you experience as a woman, uh, well, take gender out of it. The, the the toughness that you experience as a human being, it, to some people, in in your opinion, it may be that that entitles them to crank up the bitch a little bit, because damn it, give me a break. It, Fill in the blank reasons. Um, I'm not having the greatest day in the world. So uh, the greatest week, the greatest month, the greatest year in the world. And it's not going according to plan. This is not ideally what I would like to do. So I'm going to be a bit of a bitch. And I'm going to not do fill in the blank, whatever that you feel I should do as your partner man. That's one example. Um, So by the flip side of that is then do you then say men got it a whole hell of a lot easier? Uh, that's a tough one. Well, you do not have to give birth. That's one thing. That's true. You do not have to work an 80-hour work week with a heavy pregnant belly. You do not have to breastfeed. You get more sleep when your kids are out. Everything you said, though, is in, in the frame of a relationship. And childbirth, yes. So relationship. So aside yeah. from that, it's it's probably the same. I think there are points where it might be easier for women Well, I mean, let's step out of the relationship world and just Mm -hmm. look at the statistics between men and women. Far more men 
uh, are homeless. Far more men die by by way of suicide. Far more men are incarcerated. Far more men men go to war. Men die in wars. We could go on and on and on. Mm-hmm. Um, it's so. On top of that, men are typically the breadwinners in relationships. Not always, and that pendulum is swinging big time here in recent memory. Um, so it's tough being a dude. And there is, is there is there is a major sacrifice involved in saying I'm going to play the part of uh, uh, Mr. Parent and uh, Mr. Husband, Mr. Provider, et cetera, et cetera. Even with all of that weighing on our shoulders, um, we still, as men, it, this is the I'm sure this has not always been the case, and this is not the case for everyone. But in the po- in the relatively small population of men that I speak to on a regular basis, what's interesting is. Um, and I'm curious if I were to listen to like a Suzanne Venker, for example, she does coaching with mainly women who she calls type a women, women, professional women. I'm curious if she would see the same, which is what I see, which is very typical man scenario. They tell me DSO, let me tell you everything that I'm doing. And I'm listening to this guy and he recognizes I had faults in the past, but here's what I've done to try and correct. And this guy is telling me I've worked on my physical fitness I've tried to wine and dine the wife and take her out and do things for her. I'm praising her when she does wonderful things. I've stood up to her when she does not so great things. I've um, My professional career has taken off as a result of just feeling better about myself. So I'm making more money. So I'm even checking a lot of the provider stuff as well as some of the lover stuff as we use in our vernacular. And the guy's just going on and on about everything he's doing. And yet the wife's reaction is very, eh. So what I... Where I'm getting with this is what I never hear from the man is much of a, a of a sense of entitlement. In fact, just the opposite. I have to be the one to coach these guys into, you know, you're a pretty awesome dude from what it sounds like. And they'll come back with, not really, you don't understand. For 15 years, I was this guy who was kind of a pushover and I just said, yes, dear. Okay, wow, you horrible thing. You were just kind of a pushover guy, but now you're trying to be less of a pushover guy. And look, you've actually improved. Wow, how terrible, you know, being sarcastic. And these guys will like, no, no, once again, you don't understand. And let me tell you why it's bad and why I deserve to be treated like shit. That's the general theme I get from men. No, you understand, DSO, I deserve this. I have a feeling <laughs> that we won't hear. I bet if I ask Suzanne Venker, I bet the predominant theme with hers from her women is, well, why the hell should I do that, Suzanne? Do you realize how much money I make? Do you realize what I do? I mean, Jesus, much more, more I got to do. All I'm asking is that he just step up and go get a raise or something, you know, entitlement. So case can be made either way. And we, we go, we can go back and forth for years on this. So let, let's say for sake of argument, because we're talking about women, that's a, that's the topic for this one is female entitlement. Um, in what ways do you, Mrs. DSO, we have agreed that, yeah, there's a sense of entitlement, whether it's in part right or wrong, it's there. What can women do by your by your estimation from what you've heard from friends and et cetera um, to be better wives, I guess, to be less entitled, to crank that knob down a little bit? Can you give maybe some examples of where you've heard women, I guess, maybe stories that you've heard that make you go, hold on a second, what? Or why would you do that? Or why wouldn't you do that? Can you give specific examples of that? Maybe Maybe that'll paint a better picture for what female entitlement looks like in your mind. Um, I have, I have two examples. Um, one is the it's a it's one from the bedroom. I've heard that a lot on our wine nights. Um, where a lot of girls mention oral sex, and they say how much they hate it, but they the giving sh- yeah they hate giving it, but they sure as hell expect receiving it. And that always makes me go, okay, so um, why would you expect to receive it <laughs> if you're not willing to reciprocate? And uh, that is not even a thought process that goes through their minds. And they're they're actually just cackling about it. They're like, haha, yeah, I'll I'll let him do that because it's it's you know it's fun for me, and I know he likes it, but I would never reciprocate, and he's fine with it. <laughs> You know, what's interesting is that there's a, um, it's almost like a machismo thing that we've seen. Um, you'll hear often older Italian men, for example, which is a very macho kind of uh, culture. Um, they are notorious for saying, 
if they find out one of their uh, buddies does that to a woman, performs oral sex on a woman, they'll look down on them. Like, you did what? <clears throat> but do they expect the wife to perform? Oh, hell yes. So it's almost like a flip of that. So that's a very power thing, isn't it? I'll receive all day long, but you expect me to tear down my ego a little bit and perform for you, mister? <laughs> I don't think so. That's like, to me, one of the most unfeminine things I can imagine. You can give all you want, mister, but as far as you getting for me, forget it. Yeah, and you're brushing on a big topic here, the ego. Um, I think female entitlement is a lot about a power play thing, especially when it comes to marriages. A lot of women um, have been told all their lives, you need to be more bitchy, you need to be more alpha, you need to be more powerful, you need to stand up, and you need to say yeah, um, no. And, and I think they have incorporated that so much in their minds that um, that they just want to dominate the entire relationship. And they want to call the shots on everything. And the the second example I have of this entitlement story is this the story of the academic female that is earning a lot, um, is very well-traveled, well-educated, looks pretty, um, and then expects her husband to be, her future husband to be the same. But not only is he required to be good-looking, academic, um, wealthy, he's also required to have traveled, and he needs to be good in bed, he needs to be good at, in the household, he needs to want kids, he needs to be a good father, he needs to want to take paternity leave. And I'm just thinking, what makes you think that you're such a catch that you can ask for somebody who has to yet be born? Like, well, I'll, I'll answer that. And I, 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 I've <laughs> addressed this in some of my writing in the podcast and stuff, is that um, one of the most hilarious but and men hearing this will nod their heads. Single men out there, go online to uh, you know online dating, uh, what are the match and all the others, and you will see an objectively unattractive woman. And I'm sorry, I know everyone thinks well, attraction is a subjective thing. No, we know unattractive when we see it. So, and probably when I say an objectively ugly woman right now, you all have a vision in your mind of what that is. So let me just say she's 300 plus pounds and very homely looking woman. And sure enough, you'll look at that and it's like, I'll be damned if this woman doesn't have a laundry list of what she expects out of a mate. And sometimes it's so over the top, you just have to laugh and men take screen captures of it and they put it online. And you can find just dozens and dozens of these online where you look at this woman and say, oh, my God, must be six foot three, 100 um, K a year or more. Or don't even bother. If you have kids and make less than 200,000, don't even bother all this kind of stuff. And you look at this woman going where in the hell does she think she can get off saying these things? And it's very simple because in her mind, um, she's been rewarded for X number of years, months, whatever it is, um, for being exactly who she is. And she, well, she gets something out of it. And that something is we have, and boy, we take this conversation to a whole different left turn. We have a lot of very, the, the kids, the youngsters use a term these days, thirsty, very thirsty men out there. And men by nature, we all know this. It's a joke. And I don't mean to belittle men. And I'm, this is, trust me, this is not coming from a, quote, feminist perspective here by any means. But um, men will bang a knothole, right, if they're desperate enough. <laughs> um, men will have sex with, fill in the blank here, with any inanimate object if they're horny enough. Like, look at men in prison and so forth. They go to, they'll even have sex with each other if, if they get desperate enough. So you have a lot of men, you put millions of them online just looking for some kind of companionship and here's a 300 pounder. And even if that guy is objectively like, he's not bad looking, look at him, he's all right. Some of those men even are like, eh, every now and then I'll just, you know, take one for the team or I'll set my standards low and whatever. I'm not going to, you know, marry the woman. I'm not going to be her boyfriend, but for a night of fun, whatever, eh. You know, that's fine. And that gives these women a sense of entitlement. Like, wow, look, I got a date and dinner with, look at this guy. Well, plus there's an overwhelming sense of haha men. They're just inferior altogether. That kind of is woven throughout the whole media. Like wherever you, whatever rom-com you watch or nowadays, whatever Disney movie you watch, the men always come across as kind of like these goofy weaklings. They're always awkward. So it's a, a um, cultural narrative. Yes, the men are just somewhat inferior in, now, where in do you every think way. That and comes from. Is that a reaction to men over the years being? You know, I've often told men uh, when they when they ask me, I notice that my wife and kids sometimes make fun of me, and it makes me kind of like, what the hell, guys? You know, show me some respect here. 
And I'm like, you know, I can remember pretty much every job I've ever been in. And I've had a lot of jobs over the years. When the boss leaves the room, everyone kind of snickers or says, did you see his shoes? Did you hear what he said? Well, that's what I was going to get into. It's like the the paternal boss figure, whatever, is just kind of prone to being poked at and made fun of. Well, it's mostly to demystify them and make them less intimidating. I think that's why we approach it with humor and making fun of them. So it could be that the traditional male uh, role was just perceived to be too paternalistic and to be too intimidating. And that people have decided we need to debunk it and maybe have just gone over top a little bit. Yeah, I think that's it. Yeah. Yeah. That's just a reaction that's gone too far. But what that does is that it paints this picture of, oh, men are inferior in every way. And so women are like, well, then I need to really crank up my expectations. So not only do they have to be way above average, but they have to be basically superheroes and they have to be better than us. And since we are amazing, because society has been telling us that we are amazing, where are we going to find this man? And... uh, So my suggestion is that I think women need to just really take it down a notch and be realistic. And uh, what I tell all my girls that are like, oh, well, you need to check this box and this box and this box and this box. I always tell them they really need to just check one box. And that is that they make you happy and love you. And if you love them back, then what else is there to talk about? No, it's a a bit of a double-edged sword there in that um, this is kind of um, a fuel for discussion amongst a lot of the male writers online is a big uh, subject line is basically pointing the finger at those women. Like I mentioned, the 300 pounder on match.com and pointing and saying, look at these ridiculous, silly women. Can you believe this? Um, And we all sit back and laugh. And I sometimes fight back a little bit and saying, what are we doing by saying, by fighting and laughing at this? First of all, I get it because look at this woman, you have to chuckle. But on the second hand, it's like, are we saying, Dummy there needs to lower her standards and settle, quote unquote, for men like me, because I'm not perfect and you must be with me if you know what's good for you. Or, you know, where, what's the end game here for laughing at the, your, your friend Kim who says, you know, I'm, I'm holding out for Mr. Right. If she were to sit down with me and tell me that, I'd be like, high five, sister. Good. Have at it. But, you know, on the same token, I hope you realize you ain't going to find him. Are you, are you cool with that? Because the chances of finding this dude are one in one billion. It well, just ain't going to happen. But, hey, I get it. And, you know, no, good luck. Not, but it's not about settling. The, the point is, it, I, I just said, it has to, he has to click two boxes. The one is he has to make you happy. And the second one is he has to love you. But So is he going to make you happy if you don't love him? No. So, oh, but the problem is they're not even considering yeah. some people on their, you know, on their Tinder match or whatever. Like, unless they make at least... So and so many thousand dollars, they're not going to even swipe right. They're just going to swipe left. And that's the part that makes me go, well, maybe you should give the person a chance, not just the salary. And um, I think also a big part is to look yourself in the mirror and recognize that, no, you're not. You may check a lot of boxes, but nobody is perfect. I mean, mm-hmm. I'm near perfect. <laughs> But, wow. <laughs> but I mean, I know I have flaws and I'm not a perfect human and I can't expect a superhuman to be my partner if, you know, if we live in a normal real- reality. So just look for every guy out there. Look, Give every guy a chance. Go out with everybody that sounds interesting and that is friendly and polite and give them a chance. And um, I think the same goes for the marriage. If you're in a marriage and you feel entitled, well... Sit back a second and look at what what are you actually bringing to the relationship? And are you really, you know, doing all that much? Are you really staying in shape? Are you really, you know, working that hard in the household? Are you really taking that great of a mom? Are you really, I mean, I'm not trying to be criticizing people, but I think everybody needs to look at themselves first before they feel entitled to everything else. You know, there's almost like um, uh, a common thing I hear from a lot of men is, uh, I finally got to the breaking point. This is the man talking. And so we went to uh, couples counseling and we sit down and I really let it out. And I said, here's what's been bugging at me. Here's some things that are happening and not happening and it bothers me and yada, yada. And women have a, a weapon in their arsenal, which they realize because they know their husband's better than anyone in the world. And it's one to get him to shut up. And it's one of either shaming him or, um, you know what you just did or said really, really hurts me. Now I feel very bad as your spouse and as the mother to your children. I feel bad and and just coming here was a mistake, et cetera. I don't want to come here anymore. I feel terrible. I feel awful. You're being 
terrible making me feel this way. So I think a, a uh, arrow in their quiver is one of my feelings and my sensitive nature as a woman. And don't you feel bad, man, for, um, you know, poking me where it hurts. And I don't think we have as men that uh, arrow in our quiver. If we do that, it's kind of like, <laughs> you little weakling. She's get over yourself sensitive. Like, oh, okay. And then we crawl back in our little yeah. shame hole. But any good therapist would tell the woman, um, listen, you are in charge of your emotions. He is not making you feel bad. Mm -hmm. Yes, you feel bad as a reaction to something he said, but that's really your emotion and your reaction. And it is entirely in your power to fix that. What I don't understand is this whole concept of, I don't like what you just said, so I'm going to make you change mm. your ways instead of me maybe considering, huh, why didn't I like what he said? What am I doing with this reaction? Can I maybe change my ways? Can I change my emotional response to it? There are things that shouldn't be said. I mean, if, if somebody calls me an a-hole, I'm going to be offended, and I think I should be. But if somebody says, um, you know maybe you could lose a little bit of weight because you have definitely <laughs> gained a lot in the last 20 years. If I get offended by that, probably okay to be offended because somebody just told you you're fat. But think about it for a second. Why are you really offended? Because you know he's right. And because, yes, you may have gained a little bit. And maybe, yes, you shouldn't be eating birthday cake pops every morning for breakfast. And, you know, you talked about the uh, uh, women in America, the mothers being uh, not looked after. Uh, proper term here is... Uh, not accommodated well enough within our government or whatever the structure is there, but where they are accommodated too much so is in the emotional realm, possibly within a relationship. I know that's argue whether or not that's true, but it's um, in terms of a lot of men are shut down by, let's use the 20 pounds example. Well, you know, let's say they sit down and the wife, you know, they're with a therapist and the wife's like, you know, I get the impression that sometimes he's not very attracted to me anymore. The way he looks at me sometimes, I can tell by the way he looks at me because women pick up on a lot of stuff way quicker than what us men think they do. And um, finally he goes, yeah, it, you know, ever since the baby came, you haven't lost that weight. And yeah, it bothers me a little bit. And I, I bought the, bought you that Peloton bike and nothing. You, you, you hung your coat on it. And I, I hear that all the time, by the way, the Peloton thing. And um all she has to do is come back with uh, basically, oh, okay, I see how you are, Mr. Shallow. Um, it doesn't matter to you that I actually raised three kids over the last 20 years. It doesn't matter that I've been tending to the house. All you care about is that I've uh, got some love handles and and some cellulite. Great. How, how nice of you. And shut down. And, you know, look over to the marriage counselor. What do you have to say about that? And they'll be sitting there wide-eyed going, Dude, you dug your grave. Enjoy it. <laughs> That's all on you, man. And the guy's like, yeah, maybe they're right. Well, but then the answer could be of the husband. Well, while you were doing all that, raising the kids and keeping the house yeah, okay, I was making all the money that you guys could get on vacations and, you know, that you could go to the, I don't know, when whenever your kids were in school, get a manicure and go to the gym. And I paid for all of that. So, I mean, if you start Arguing on that tit level. Tit for tat. Yeah, yeah, I mean, that's and that's a huge no-no in any kind of relationship. If you're having to whip out the scorecards, well, you're in deep trouble. So what do you think about my baby weight? About your baby weight? Yeah, I gained you a lot. You just had a bit. You did. Yeah. Okay, she gained a lot. I mean, how much weight you gained during pregnancy? Like, it's, it's still like... No, during pregnancy, pounds. you oh, well, gained I how much? gained like 25 pounds. You gained 25 pounds during pregnancy. Right away, that's probably below average, I would assume. No, like about right there where you should be. I would assume men would gain like 30, 40 pounds. Okay, so right around average amount. And now you are how many pounds above your fighting weight? Like eight. Eight pounds. Okay, maybe nine. Yeah, but I can't fit in most pants. I have a much more maternal figure. Sweet cheeks. We're... There are women out there who have gained fifty. Okay, so you're not. And six not, months. Are and you saying six you're months later, it? and six months later, they're sixty pounds over. Okay, so you're, you're okay with that? You're you're not as tiny as you used to be, mm -hmm. for Would sure. Would you like me to be tiny again? To be honest, this is, this is okay. I I like when you are more fitness oriented. Yes, mm -hmm. but I also kind of like the extra pounds too. You just like the extra cups. Cup size, maybe. Okay. Yeah. So, <laughs> being honest. All right. So you 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 do admit that you prefer if I was a little skinnier. I don't know. If you Wh had, which okay, do, okay, which do I listen. like better? If you had two women in a bar, yeah. one was me now and one was me eight years ago. Mm, which one would you ask oh, eight, out? Eight years ago. Hmm, you would ask the younger yeah, one. Probably the eight years ago. Yeah. 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 Yeah.
Because I'm like, but, this I mean, is we're, fine. we're going off on it. We don't want to go down that tangent. That's a good no. other podcast is post baby stuff. And no, changes no, but those. I'm talking yeah, about yeah. your, you said something to me that would have upset a lot of women. And hmm. I am not upset by it because I know also, I'm in control over all of it. But also the uh, setting tone and everything was way different than That's true. sitting not in, in a, the middle of a fight. or w- with a Yeah, exactly. With with yes. 20 years of baggage behind us and everything else. Yeah, but what I'm, I'm going back to is the whole entitlement thing. This whole, like, yeah. you just have to go on Facebook. Half of the comments there are angry women that are lashing out because somebody posted something somewhere that was offensive to them. Why do you have to engage in that Yeah, who gives a shit? I, Just move on, walk I, away. I know the term Karen is overused, but damn it, it's perfect, isn't it? <laughs> Karen. We all know when we first heard it, we were all just nodded and, and laughed and said, yeah, I get it. But it's this the, uh, the generic term for the uh, hyper-entitled, let-me-speak-to-your-manager, middle-aged mom thing. That woman, Karen. Yeah. That's what we're talking about. Um, so I think entitlement yeah. comes from a place of unhappiness in some way. And it comes from that combined with nobody saying, shut the F up. Who cares? Mm-hmm. When's the last time Karen heard that? Never. But also, somebody may at some point just not have listened to them. That's another thing. Because if they feel unheard, they may just be getting louder. And then they get so loud and nobody tells them to shut up. You think nobody's listening to Karen? I have a feeling that, she gets, that Karen at she gets some point in her life. She gets 500 likes on Facebook no, see, and 20 Karen you go girls. Karen was a five-year-old once. And maybe Karen oh, was see. a very sensitive five-year-old oh, and wanted to be. share her sensitive story. And so nobody listened. And it all Karen goes back to that, bitchy. doesn't it? It all goes back to the I childhood. And- no, but I, I think that there are two sides of to the female entitlement. One is, as you said, somebody never just told them no. And the other one is that there is this re- rebelling little five-year-old that may just need, you know, a little extra TLC from the government or from society and isn't getting it. And so she's just screaming out loud and stomping her feet to get what she wants, but she will never get what she wants. And she gets more and more upset every day and with every Facebook post. So I think there's two sides to that. But the the common solution should be, you know, just calm down <laughs> Just and take control over your own <laughs> luck and have there's, happiness. There's a hilarious internet video of a uh, washing machine. I don't know if you've seen this. And it's like outdoors and they have it turned on and the, the door on the front's ripped off, but it's still operating and spinning. And it says women above it. And then here comes a guy into the frame with a brick in his hand and he throws the brick into the washer and the whole thing just explodes. And the brick was titled... Uh, calm down. So this is what happens when you tell a woman, calm down. They just explode into a fury. So, hey, woman, just chill out. Um, I, I think it needs to come before that. I, I think we're seeing the end result of a lot of, um, you know, I hate to say it as sexist as it sounds, but with a lot of women, it's you give them an inch and they'll take a mile. Um, and But on the positive side, it's if you reward good, you're going to see a hell of a lot more of it. I think it's just, that's human nature, but we really, really tend to see that with the women in our relationships. And if you let that little thing go, whatever that little thing is, you just notice in no time, it just snowballs and snowballs and snowballs. And I think that's what you guys are seeing when a lot of this entitlement type behavior. Well, I mean, I'm just thinking about as we're raising a female, how to not raise an entitled female. And I think a lot of it has to do with, don't give them the, um, the illusion of fairness. Like, don't tell them this isn't fair or this is fair. Just That's complete BS. Where does that come from? Nothing in life is ever fair. And if you tell them, well, you know, if you do this, then you will get that because that's just fairness, then they will grow up expecting something for everything they do and then realize very quickly in life, oh, if I'm a good girl, I'm not getting rewarded necessarily. And then they feel entitled because they, they, was ra- they were raised with the concept of fairness. So I think that's another aspect of all that. And where does all that come from? Does it start in our schools? We're, we're noticing that um, girls in school, from grade school on, are doing way better than boys. Now, um, psych- some psychologist types that are smarter than me will point to that that agreeableness that I talked about. Um, agreeableness goes takes you very far in a structured environment like school. It also takes you very far in a, in a corporation. Um Women are excelling in the corporate world. Now, women also don't tend to hang around much longer after their 30s because of the old baby-making thing. That's a whole other story. But um, where was I going with that? So 
Why are, why are kids doing better? Why are yeah, so, doing better? so our daughter, the bean, as we call her, um, will go to school and she's going to get bombarded with a lot of uh, moments probably where it's, hey, Billy, sit down and shut up. Okay, what were you saying, bean? Go ahead. You know, um, quit running around and being hyper and destroying things, Billy. And, well, Bean, I understand you uh, said some mean things to that kid over there. Please don't do that again. You know, so it's, uh, you know, I sound like one of those men's rights types guys, but there's something to it. Mm -hmm. Uh, it But doesn't your son say that all the time? Yeah, my older son says he notices that all the time where the boys are told, sit down, shut your mouth, and the girls are basically taking out their word for everything. And, um, yeah, he's never heard any of that from me, but he's learned that on his own. It's like, yeah, there's definitely a difference here between the genders in school. Yeah, and so boys from very early on learn to literally just suck it up. There you whereas go. Whereas girls are never taught or told to suck it up. And that's where I'm coming from with the whole, you said something that offended me. They never really learn yep. to self-regulate their emotions and their responses to things because they're just taught that they can act it all out and they can behave however they want and they can cry and and scream whereas boys when they cry and scream everybody's like uh what's wrong with you dude mm-hmm. so th- there's something about emotional regulation that is less expected in females than in males there you go but just hit it right there the emotional regulation yeah but then again we are pmsing you guys are not that's true oh man this is leading nowhere <laughs> <laughs> there is there's no real solution here no there isn't other than um, understanding that it exists and that go. it's not necessarily healthy and to che- be checking yourself yeah, uh, that's something a lot of women don't have is that uh, skill to go. Uh, oh, let me not say what I'm about to say. This is the, this is the woman talking. Oh yeah, yeah. All right, fine. That's something you rarely hear out of well, a woman. Well, yeah, I think recognizing where you are entitled and where you act entitled is important in the marriage to realize. Well, you can't expect fairness out of a marriage just because it, you know you are the woman, you are the person with the uterus. Things are just going to go differently for you in this marriage, no matter how. What- I think that comes along with scorecards, record keeping, all that. Entitlement is a is a form of toxic trade within a marriage that can just make things really, really hard when it comes to tr- figuring out how to get over problems and yeah. uh, issue, marital issues. It, it, and um, but there, there, uh, last couple of guys coincidentally that I've spoken to told me the uh, same thing about their wife, almost verbatim, which is the wife finally kind of had an awakening on her own, which is part of the awakening was, oh wow. My husband has done a lot. And um, that usually comes as a result of some type of third-party intervention, a friend or a marriage counselor, where they will sit and say, tell me, husband, what's on your mind? And they will listen. And for the first time, they actually sit and listen to the husband telling somebody else or um, her telling the friend, here's what's going on. And the friend listens to this and kind of gets wide-eyed and, and comes back with a big, oh, wow. Your husband sounds awesome. Or the counselor says, oh, wow, that sounds great. So what do you think, wife? And the last two guys I spoke to, the the wife came back with, you know what? I recognize it. And I feel bad that I can't reciprocate. I feel bad that I don't have the energy or the wherewithal or the whatever to be the good wife that he deserves. I recognize now I just feel more depressed than I did before I walked in the store. I'm talking about the marriage counselor. So now the guy's like, what the hell? My wife finally realizes that she has fallen short, and now she's saying, yeah, I don't have the skills to, uh, what are you doing? You smell really good. <laughs> she's smelling me like a dog while I'm talking. So we, <laughs> That uh, I don't have the skills that you need, and yeah, I've had some entitled behavior, but uh, I know I should do, and it's not blank, and it's not necessarily sex. It could be, I know I should compliment you more. I know I should help you out more. I know I should uh, uh, be your cheerleader in life and at work, and I know I should stop nagging you, but I just, just can't not do it, or I just can't do the things you want me to do. I so just don't. is entitlement also a defense mechanism then? Yeah, it seems like it, doesn't it? Mm. Because what I just talked about, um, it's a lot of work type stuff, isn't it? It is. Especially for those people where that has come natural. And uh, we had a little bit of debate debate on this in the uh, uh, one of the DSO discussion groups about what exactly, when we talk about everyone says marriage is work, what do we mean? Well, for some people doing those things like I better um, compliment my spouse more, I better stay in shape, I better, you know, all those cookie cutter good spouse things. For some people are, this takes some effort for me to just continuously do this. It just doesn't come naturally to me. That's work. Especially the communication part. 
And um, I think that's something that I can really give you credit for. Whenever I had a bout of entitlement, um, you put me in my place really well. Like mm. you, you pick up on something, let's say me nagging. Oh, yeah, that's a good example. Me nagging about your house being, you know, when I come to visit, not not perfectly in shape and cluttered. That's, and It's our house. But. It is our house, but it, you know what I mean. Yeah. Um, and um, I nag about it, and you at some point just ha you had had it. You're like, listen, I'm raising three kids here most of the time by myself. I have a full time job, actually multiple of those. And um, <laughs> but and you say, and you, I'm traveling to to you to visit you. I mean, I'm doing everything I can. I'm doing the best I can, and I can't also do that on top of it all the time. And you have to give me a break here. And I was like, hmm, he has a point. But you know, when you when you listed all these things that you were doing, I was like, damn, this guy's busy. And I think a lot of guys just don't do that because they're used to, like women do that a lot. We'll be like, I just did the laundry and I did this and I did that and I slaved all day and um, and I'm tired and I'm exhausted and you don't do anything ever. And um, I would like for men to actually say, you know what, I actually worked really hard today and I come home and I still work and I still do the honeydew list and I do this and I do that and I put little Theo to bed and I, you know, like but I think men never list the things that they do because they just know that a lot of women will be like, because oh, I'm going to one up you. Nobody gives a shit. That too. That's, men it's, just it's a sad men thing to like say that. and it's not true a hundred percent of the time, but it's, it's true to the degree to which men would just, uh, it doesn't take much to get us going. It really doesn't. And we all just hunger for that pat on the back. And that attaboy and that Jesus, do you know how awesome you are? What I just said, that was a good 15 seconds, not even, of speech. That's, ladies, that right there will last you months. <laughs> 15 seconds will keep him floating high, but you can't even muster that. That's what we're talking about when we say, we don't even hear that little bit of anything. We just, it's expected. Eh, you work, you take care of the kids, and and, and that list of what's expected grows as um, as we move on and in the time, because it used to be, I go to my office and work 50, 60 hours a week, come home to a stiff drink and please leave dad alone. He's done enough. It ain't enough anymore. And that, that list yeah. keeps growing and growing and we're pretty freaking exhausted. So to hear a big, Hey, I appreciate what you're doing. That's awesome. Oh, that's all we hear. We don't hear that, but we know, let's be honest. When that wife goes and sits with her friend and has wine, she'll brag on the man. Mm -hmm. So she appreciates it. She's just not. It's just, we just we should be better wives by appreciating them in yeah. their face. But we're kind of going off script Speaking here. Speaking of, I'm going to appreciate yeah. you by giving him a facial hair. So, do you want to qualify that what you're talking about? Because <laughs> right now everybody's like, say what? So I bought uh, I bought a face scrub, all manly products like a charcoal face. That scrub. wasn't where I was going with and this. Where I was going with this was mask. the dirty pornographic thing when somebody says giving someone else a facial it usually means something no, no, else completely know, saying, and coming from not. the woman was doubly confusing what i'm saying i'm getting they're gonna you think a... you're trans or something oh, <laughs> is what i'm going with <laughs> you're getting a cosmetic face treatment Thank you. there you go better? yes i i'm i'm comfortable enough in my manliness to say that i enjoy some of the more feminine things like you have given me a manicure i enjoy I sure have i enjoyed that a great deal you've given me facials face scrubs and stuff i also like that what else have you done i clip your toenails yep i uh i clipped my toenails twice in the past eight years <laughs> and you're thinking well your nails must be long no she does them for me and it's just something that we do so see i'm not entitled to entitled to now here's that. the thing though your doctory partnery types let's say women listen into this they may pull you aside one day and go, you, you cut your man's toenails? <laughs> yes, I do. What are you, some 1950s fucking Stepford wife thing? What is this? Uh, so Cutting I think toenails. I'm overcompensating because I am such an alpha go-getter. Oh, I see. Uh, you know, wife yeah. that I feel like I, I don't want to lose touch with my feminine homemaker cookie mm. baking side. I like it. Because I know deep down that you do not give a damn what, how much money isn't, I make, isn't how the, educated I am and all that. Isn't the overcompensating mm. another way of saying maintaining your balance? True. Yeah. I might be. Well, I'm, I mean, some people would argue, especially my, my female alpha male friend, uh, alpha female friends would say, why do you need to compensate anything you're perfect the way you are and yeah, need to is the quote there i don't need to do anything i just do it no, because I, I like it and it no. makes him feel good and uh, well that too but i also deep down inside i know that men just do not care that much about how much money their women make and how successful they are and what title they have at work 
that is just simply not that important to you. Oh, but let me say, okay, again, with a left turn to the conversation, but that's how these things go. If you're a first-time listener to this, we kind of jump all over the place. Do you think I would be your husband if you were a cashier at Walmart? If I looked hard when you met me, yes. You're wrong. Really? Yeah, no. I wouldn't marry you. I would date you. I'd plow the hell out of you. <laughs> what if I had been a really, really smart? You're saying that Walmart cashiers are not attractive? No. Uh, I'm saying there's too, and this is, again, the left turn in the conversation, there's too much of a risk for a man like me to marry the Walmart cashier and make babies with her and everything else. Why is that a risk? Writing's on the wall. Because at any point, that Walmart cashier could take me to the bank and say, uh, I don't want to be with you anymore. And there goes over half my whatever and half this and half that. Um, it, it sounds horrible and, and uh, shallow to say this, but um, know, your, know your career, money, and everything else did not have any effect on me going, ooh, who's that? None. It was just a, oh, how cool to know that about you. Now that I get to know you, that makes you more interesting. Um, but it did in terms of, is this a person who I feel safer being with long term? Um, simply because, and you could call it prejudice by virtue of all the people I've spoken to over the years, or you could call it wisdom by virtue of all the guys I've spoken to over the years who said, I, I mean, how many times have I spoken to the guy who's like, I married the cashier, I helped put her through school, blah, 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 da, 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 da. And, and the end result was, Thanks a bunch, dude, but I'll be going ahead and taking all of your 401k. You'll see the kids every Wednesday and every other. And I'm just like, message received as a potential partner for it to hear. By the way, that side's taken care of because I'm a big girl and I can take care of myself. Oh, good. Yeah, it's good to know. I don't have to worry about that side of it. Okay, but that's that's the eco economical aspect. Yeah. But if you were thinking about what what made you be attracted to me, that was my all my feminine ways. My cooking, my sweetness well but the way also i was to, with your kids but the intellectual thing is very big sure. for me too sure some yeah. men it's not so big some men it's like uh, i kind of like the dits you know she loves me and she caters to me and she's sweet and everything else and she doesn't need to be a brain surgeon that's that's cool for them but right. i i can't handle that i need that that uh intellectual equal at least i'm so, sorry about that because that has gone out the window since the baby came <laughs> That's not true. <laughs> All right. I think we've gone off on a lot of Anyway, tangents. yeah. So a little bit of tangent there. But anywho, um, so it, it, the end game here is what? If, if Okay. Let's, let's put it this way. You're in an auditorium with 100 women who've all been selected. And they've all said there's issues. All of us have been told by our husband at one point or another, you're acting like an entitled bitch. You're nagging at me all the time. I don't get it. Her friends have said, you need to cool it with your man, blah, 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 be nice. And they've heard that Mrs. DSO is putting on a seminar for how to be a less entitled bitch. <laughs> and you get them all in. So are there bullet points that you share with them to say, uh, here you go, ladies. This is, I know I'm putting you on the spot, but maybe it's one big thing. And go. I think a big thing is just stop the scorekeeping and comparing what you do, what your husband is doing. Just acknowledge that both of you are putting in a lot of work to make this relationship work. Or at least both of you should be putting in a lot of work. And if you think you're already putting in all the work, maybe look at what he's doing. And, you know, look at really go through his workday, go through his everyday. What is he what is he contributing? Because I think there's a lot of self-centeredness in, in, relation, in relationships. But um, bring the microphone closer. But you're hitting on a uh, one key point. I know this wasn't the intent of it, which is a lot of the things that you mentioned in uh, recognizing what he does and look at what does are very financial or providery in nature mm -hmm. and life hits you between the legs a lot and a lot of men i speak to are i had a really good paying job etc cetera, etc cetera, and the company folded and i've been out of a job for six months and guess what wife whose wife took off or guess whose wife said adios so that's kind of a sense of entitlement. i guess you could kind yeah, of but that's an entitled woman that never got over it because i mean if she if this is a guy that got laid off, lost his job, and just sits on a couch and smokes all day, that's different from a guy who has really tried to yeah. find a job, who's looked around, who's interviewed, who's, you know, take start Uber driving just to make make a couple of dollars. There's differences here. Um, so I don't think that's the best example. But I think to, to tell those women in the auditorium, one big second bullet point would be you're not perfect, you know, just – Think about all the things that he has to put up with on a regular day and just acknowledge that you're both humans that are trying to make this work. And at the end of the day, do you want to be in this relationship or not? And if you think that you're that great, that you shouldn't have to put up with all that he brings to the table, then by all means, you know, see what else is out there. And I think you'd be surprised 
that you actually have a pretty good guy there in your in your house. Oh, here's here's a here's a good way to wrap it up. Should men be more entitled? I think so. Hmm, that's kind of a slippery slope, though, isn't it? <laughs> because we've seen. I don't it, think we, entitled. I think men should point the entitlement out more. They should say, "Hey, where, Sally." Where this goes negative is the men I speak to who tell me, um, "You know, I, uh, uh, I I work this job and I make a lot of money." And uh, et cetera, et cetera. And uh, it, it really upsets me that my wife doesn't give me head every night or something like that. And I was like, well, she doesn't really have to if she doesn't want to. Yeah. And your job making $100,000 really doesn't push her must perform moral sex on my man button. Um, it, maybe it's going to take a little bit more to get that going. So that is kind of a form of entitlement on the man's part. Well, why don't we delete all the parts that we just said and say to the auditorium that nobody's entitled to anything in life? Period. You were not born. You're gonna have to work for it, Mister. With Mr. an entitlement Mrs. card of, hey, this is these are all the things you're entitled to. You were born a little baby with absolute, absolutely just a lot of luck if you were born in the right family, but absolutely no right to any of the luck that you just happen to be born in. Like, is is our baby more entitled because of the way that she was born and the family she was born in? No, she more is she you know, a better person just because she wasn't born in Cameroon in a small village with no water? No. She's just lucky, but not entitled to anything in life. Just as, like, the baby in Cameroon is not entitled to anything in life either. Um, but they know that from day one. <laughs> Whereas I think the bean will think as soon as she hits school that she's entitled to all kinds of things. And I think that's that's the big difference between a first world society and a second mm. or third world society yeah, is that people are raised to think that they're, they are to expect all these things that come magically out of their faucets and out of their sockets. Is this a, uh, a manifestation of a lot of people who, uh, you know, the first world, is this a first world problem? Yeah, it is. A lot of women sitting around going, like I spoke to a gentleman this morning who was a, a physician and uh, wife does not work. Um, they have an excellent home that she always dreamed of. With all the amenities that she always dreamed of and the place that she always dreamed of. And as I'm talking to him, he says, hold on a second. The pool guy is here, literally. And this guy's in the pool. And um, she feels very unfulfilled. And uh, she feels, uh, I don't have, I've lost my sense of me. I've da 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 um, Well, sometimes for women like that, you know what they need to hear is, um, I could get on the phone right now and call a million women from around the world who would come here and murder you and probably a hundred other women like you to be in your position. So there's a part of it's going to, you know, it's a case by case basis. But for her example, I, it does take somebody sitting down, taking her, you know, her hand in yours and saying, sweetheart, you need to wake the F up. Yeah. Um, because this happiness and everything else you're taking out on, on everybody else and your depression and you're, you're forcing everyone to, um, so you could you Bend could maybe say as a fix uh, for entitlement, get out of your bubble and look around and see what else other people deal with and yeah. have to deal with. It's kind of like um, he and I, this this doctor that I was speaking to, we were talking about where um, his wife and women like her in her position are almost sitting back and waiting for an outside influence to fix this. Like, ho-hum, this really sucks. Oh, well, I'll just sit back. And those people are very affair-prone. Because all it takes is she's out with one night with drinks with the girl and some guy comes up with, well, hello, pretty lady. And oh, my gosh, I feel amazing. This is a way they go. Um, so it takes the work. There we come back to that, that word again. Internal work on finding your own centeredness and your own happiness and your own sense of fulfillment and what it is that makes you tick and things to work towards, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and stop taking it out on everyone around you. Yeah, your man. That's, that's the second bullet point. So the first one is you're not entitled to anything. And the second thing is you have to work for whatever you think you're entitled to. So if you want to be happy, nobody is going to make you happy. You have to make yourself happy. And, and I think that's a big key point that a lot of people don't learn anymore. They're just, they're just taught that everybody caters to them and everybody's responsible for their feelings. But it's really them themselves. I think that's a perfect way to end this. So let's wrap this up. Quick plug, website, dadstartingover.com. All one word, dadstartingover.com. Check out my book, uh, my bestseller. It's I, I keep saying the word bestseller. That's not right. That's actually a technical term. You are a New York Times bestseller if you make if you sell like over a million copies or whatever it is. I haven't sold that many yet. Um, it's my best-selling book of the three that I have written. It's called The Dead Bedroom Fix. Check it out. 
And check out our members-only group, the DSO Fraternity, dadstartingover.com slash join. For all you men that want to join a group of men just like you, looking to improve yourselves, hit the old restart start button on life and uh, do it right. We have a great group of guys from all over the world. Um, this is DSO. Any final words? No. All right. Very good. Then. <laughs> Simple enough. All right, guys. We'll catch you on the next one. If you're listening to this, you're probably a guy who is interested in self-improvement. You probably consume a lot of information like these podcasts, YouTube videos, audiobooks, courses, everything you can to learn more and help you become the best man that you can be. And if you're like a lot of men, there's something still missing. Well, I can tell you what that missing thing probably is. Quality time with other men that are on the same mission as you. Some of you probably have casual relationships with your fellow soccer dads or the occasional beer with guys from the neighborhood, but none of them seem to be on the same page as you. Am I right? They seem content with their shitty marriages, their shitty jobs, and their expanding waistlines. They have all but given up. You find yourself talking to them about the same football teams, listening to their stories about their subpar home life, and you're getting to the point where you dread hanging around them. Well, the good news is that we have assembled a group of men just like you. We call our group the DSO Fraternity. We have live Zoom meetings that are hosted by yours truly, along with the other members of the DSO team. We have a very active private discussion forum, a Discord server for our lifetime members, a members-only podcast, access to my books in audiobook and PDF format at no extra charge, discounts on one-on-one coaching with myself and other members of the team, discounts on our video courses, and access to our in-person gatherings. We have met in Nashville, Tennessee, Austin, Texas, Las Vegas, Australia, Amsterdam, and soon in New Orleans. So check it out, the DSO Fraternity at dsofraternity.com. We have monthly, annual, and lifetime membership options available. I think you will find our group is the missing piece of the puzzle that you have been looking for.